Hello, and welcome to the Healthcare Leadership Mindset. I'm your host, Yolanda Gonzalez, former administrative fellow and current administrative director at Mass General Hospital, located in Boston, Massachusetts. I invite you to join me as I engage with leaders in various roles across the healthcare field to gain real-life insights into their work challenges, the skills that have helped them succeed, and advice on how to get started if this is a path for you. So what are you waiting for? Let's start the journey today. Hey everyone, before I dive into today's episode, I want to take a moment and give a special shout out to Miss Mally. Here's what she said in their review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, Yolanda, for creating this podcast. This was very informational and interesting, especially for someone who is currently pursuing their BHA. I've come to find that there is not very many people on social media that discuss healthcare administration, so this is fabulous. Thanks so much, Ms. Malley. That means a lot, and every review helps. If you'd like to receive a shout-out on a future episode, leave a review for the show in Apple Podcasts. Also, Post a screenshot of you listening on Instagram and tag me at the Healthcare Leadership Mindset so that I can thank you personally. Thank you so much. And with that, let's go ahead and dive right in. Welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Leadership Mindset. I'm your host, Yolanda Gonzalez. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Aaron Elwinger. Aaron is a Senior Project Manager in North America Commercial Strategy and Operations at Vertex Pharmaceuticals. In today's episode, we'll be diving into Erin's pathway leading up to Vertex, what opportunities she took advantage of during her academic career that led to her role now, insights into her day-to-day as a senior project manager at a global biotech company, and lessons she has learned that others can apply if they are interested in pursuing a similar career pathway. Erin, thank you for being on today's episode. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here talking with you tonight. I've listened to a couple of your past episodes, and I really wish I had a resource like this when I was in grad school trying to figure out what to do with my life. So thank you for putting this together. Well, I'm excited to have you on, and I know that you're going to share a lot of awesome insights with us. I know there's a lot of folks that are interested in learning more about pharmaceuticals. And so before we dive in, can you just start by telling us a little bit of background on yourself and give an overview of your current role as Senior Project Manager at Vertex? Yeah, of course. So I studied healthcare policy and management at Providence College, a major that I think was fairly unique for an undergraduate institution to offer 10 years ago. I went into college undecided And I took classes in childhood development, psychology, a couple of business classes. I was really unsure of what I wanted to do with my life. And my first semester of my sophomore year, I took a class called Introduction to the U.S. Healthcare System. And I declared my major as HPM that second semester. I was in awe first of how our healthcare system really came into existence. You know, the history of how we ended up with what we have today. And I was also fascinated by how broken it all seemed to be, um, how U.S. healthcare spending is among the highest of developed countries, yet we have worse health outcomes. And I just knew that this was where I wanted to be. And when applying to jobs in my senior year of college, I pretty much applied to everything and anything with the word healthcare in the title. I casted my net really wide because I still didn't know what aspect of healthcare I wanted to be in. So I really think my lucky star is that I ended up getting a role in healthcare consulting right out of college. And um, it was a small life science consulting company called Boston Healthcare Associates. 
And after there, I, after I worked there for a little bit, I dabbled in hospital, um, in the hospital setting as a research coordinator um, slash administrative assistant to the chief of gastroenterology. And I went back to get my master's in public health from Boston University, where I met you. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about what led me to do that a little later. But after graduating BU, I got a job at an influenza vaccine company in their medical affairs department as a project um, operations manager. And after working there for a little over two years, I moved over to Vertex, where I'm at now. Um, so just to give you like a really brief overview, I am a senior project manager for North America Commercial Strategy and Operations. I'm responsible for project managing core business activities, such as uh, some of our US product launches, our annual business planning process, which includes the development of our commercial brand plans and budgets for the next year. I'm responsible for leading and executing our biannual North America sales and field training meetings, and really any other department initiatives that span across the North America teams. My role also specifically reports directly into the chief of staff of the, uh, to the senior vice president of North America Commercial. So we focus a lot on organizational development as well. We proactively will identify areas of potential improvement and propose solutions typically through an after action review and lead initiatives to execute on those solutions. And for those not familiar with biotech pharma vernacular, essentially I'm project managing highly cross-functional programs and initiatives, projects that typically span anywhere from two to 12 months long. There's a lot of budget management, stakeholder and meeting management, regulatory and reputational risk assessment and mitigation. That's kind of like the nutshell. That's amazing. I'm so impressed by your background. And I think it can really connect with the same feeling you had going into, you know, the job search um, area and really just starting off with anything that resonated with healthcare. And it's kind of interesting how each role that you take leads you to this next role and kind of led to where you are now, which is amazing. So I really want to go back to why you ended up choosing a master's of public health degree, because I think a lot of times people don't necessarily connect public health to pharmaceuticals. And so I'm just really curious, could you talk us through what led you to a public health program to begin with? Yeah. So I was working, as I said, as a consultant, and that was such an incredible experience and such an amazing launch pad for my career. Uh, the clients and projects that I worked with were mostly in the biotech and diagnostic industries. So this was my first real introduction to these, these types of, of industries. And I was fascinated by the amount of time, um, resources, both money, um, monetary and human, that went into developing a drug um, or a diagnostic, new diagnostic technology and how many actually failed. And my interest was definitely peaked, but um, I realized a little over a year after working in consulting that it wasn't a sustainable lifestyle for me. Um, I tried my luck at a hospital. I thought maybe I could work in hospital administration um, like a lot of my friends were doing. Um, but so I got a job as a research coordinator at Beth Israel. Um, but at the same time, I decided to go back to school to get my master's in public health. And that decision was really based on a couple of reasons. Uh, a lot of the associates um, that were a level above me at BHA had their MPH from Boston University and only had positive things to say about the program. I also felt like I was still really unsure. I was 20. 
three at the time. I was still really unsure of which part of the healthcare industry I wanted to work in. And a master's in public health program, the more that I researched into it, the program was so broad. You could go into global health, maternal fetal medicine, uh, healthcare administration, healthcare policy. And I thought this was really where I should go and could go to hone in on what I wanted to do with my life. So I ended up selecting Boston University uh, for a couple of reasons. And one of them was that they offered this certificate in the pharmaceutical industry which was super unique. Uh, and the other programs I was admitted to didn't have that option. So basically you're taking several options, several classes in addition to your concentration, which I ended up declaring as HPM again. And um, but these classes were focused on how to develop a vaccine, uh, supply chain and logistics, drug pricing 101. Um, you and I took a class together in patent law, which was an interesting experience. Um, but in addition to these types of courses, there were these seminars that you were required to attend where they would bring uh, people in from the industry to talk about specific a specific topic or their career journey. And um, this is really when I started to heal, hear like the real world experience that um, these people brought into these these seminars. That's when I knew that, um, you know, I was in the right place at the right time. I had made the right decision going to BU because um, ultimately that's what led me to my first job out of grad school. I think a key takeaway for listeners will be, you know, you and I went to the same grad school program. We completed the same degree. We both took uh, part of the pharmaceutical certificate and ended up in two different areas of healthcare. But I think that's part of the journey is really finding out what's that area for you. And it's great because it sounds like pharmaceuticals really is an area that you had exposure to early on and could see the steps that others took um, and really t- did the research and, and took the necessary steps to figure out what was that right program for you. So maybe for those listeners who are either starting off or thinking about pharmaceuticals and not yet within a graduate school program, that's something that they can maybe look into and see if a certificate program in pharmaceuticals is something that a program um, offers. And so you did talk a, a little bit about the opportunities that the pharmaceutical certificate offered you in terms of giving you exposure to what a day-to-day life in pharmaceuticals would look like, but were there other resources or networking opportunities that you took advantage of that helped you land um, internship opportunities or job opportunities while you were in the program? Yeah, so I, couple of things. The main thing I think that helped with the networking were those seminars, were really any opportunities when someone from the field was coming into the building, um, was taking advantage of those. And my last semester, I was getting um, kind of nervous. I needed to find an internship for my practicum and also eventually a job. Um, I also still needed to attend a ton of the seminars in order to get the credit. So um, after one of the lectures, I I went up to the woman who was leading that seminar and her name was Claudia and she worked at a company called Securus. And I just asked her, you know, point blank, you know, are you looking for interns? Are you hiring? Um, We exchanged email addresses and she followed up that week that their, one of their departments was looking for a contractor, just a six month position. Um, with a potential to transfer to to full-time. So my advice to those looking to get a job uh, after grad school is go to everything they offer. Um, Even if you talk to one person, 
do it. Uh, put yourself out there. You never really, you never truly know who will be there or where your conversations will end up with this, with this person. Um, and you just don't want to miss any potential opportunities. And that's something that I think I embraced a little later in my grad school journey. Um, and I, I do wish that I had had done that a little earlier on. Would you say you were nervous going up to recruiters or people who were talking about their company at our organization? 100%. It was out of desperation that I, I went up to, to be to be totally honest. It was out of desperation. And I was like, I have nothing to lose at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of a good way to to think about it. Definitely take advantage of those opportunities because you never know where they could lead. Um, and you got a contracting position out of just having that conversation, correct? Um, I worked there for as a contractor for six months, and then it ended up turning into a full-time position where I worked for another year and a half. That is amazing. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully people will listen to that and have some courage to go up and ask more questions afterwards. One of the questions that I often get asked is, how can I get a job having very little to no work experience? So I'm really curious to hear from you, maybe both from personally being there at some point in your, um, in your pathway. And also now when you're hiring people at Vertex, what is some of the advice you have? So I had some prior work experience um, prior to going into grad school um, as a consultant, which I do believe did help me both get into grad school and then get a job after grad school. And I did lean on this, this experience heavily. But if you have been in school for six years now and you're trying to get that first job, it's really important to look at the job description you're applying to and try to draw connections between your internship experiences and or school projects that you've worked on. So, um, and that's definitely something that I look for um, when interviewing interns or even people that are just coming right out of their MBA program. Uh, for a full-time job. So if a job requires you to lead and drive large-scale initiatives across teams, say, talk about that project that you worked on in school where you had to develop a program from the bottom up that would, say, reduce the number of elderly falls in the hospital setting or, or something. Actually, that was one of the projects that I did work on in grad school. <laughs> but, but outline for, for that person that's interviewing you, outline the steps that you did in order to do this. So who were some of the stakeholder, stakeholders that you had to consider? What was the project timeline? What were some barriers that you faced to developing this program? How did you overcome those barriers? How did you identify the budget and stay on target? This will show them that you're a critical thinker and that you've had to think through scenarios like this in the past, regardless of whether it was in school or in the real world setting. I'll also say, um, you know, don't pigeonhole yourself into a specific type of role or area too early on. Really embrace the fact that you're still early on in your career and you can take more risks and try new things. So be open to many different types of roles because finding out what you don't like about a job is really just as important as finding out what you do like. Have you had to do any case interviews or you know behavioral interviews? Is there a certain type types of interviews that come up at least in the interviews that you've gone on for your roles? So the only case interview that I did was when I was um, interviewing 
for the consultant role. And it was, this is the one right up out of undergraduate. And I had no idea what I was doing. I did not study any of the case interviews books, textbooks that they have. It just went into it blind. And I'm still very shocked that I ended up getting the position. Um, I just kind of blacked out when they asked the question. But I would say be always be prepared for situational interviews. I think those are the ones that I come across most um, most often, and in and like later in my career, those have been the types of questions I've been asked. Um, something like you are running a meeting with two stakeholders, both above you in seniority. Um, they have differing opinions on how to proceed with an issue or a topic. What do you do now? You know, so really kind of walking them through, um, taking a step back and thinking about how you would would handle that sort of situation. I would acknowledge both parties' opinions and suggestions. I would take it offline so we don't derail the rest of the meeting. Um, follow up with them both after the meeting separately. Follow up with them together. Ensure that you're bringing back the solution to the wider group. So um, I think you'll also always be asked in in interviews you know, what your areas of improvements are, that's always a go-to. Um, you'll always be asked why uh, you think you'd be a good fit for the company. And this question is really intended to show that you've researched the company well, and that you know the general overview of their core mission, vision, and value, and how that resonates with you as a prospective employee at that company brought up an excellent point, which is knowing your organization well. And I think that's a great segue into diving into your role at Vertex. So for those of us who aren't as familiar with Vertex Pharmaceuticals, can you provide an overview of the organizational structure, the mission, and the culture of Vertex? Yes. So Vertex is a global biotech company. We're headquartered in Boston. And we focus on developing medicines for people with very serious and genetic diseases like cystic fibrosis. So we currently have four cystic fibrosis medicines available for eligible patients. And the company really focuses on three things, um, value. So developing medicines that address the root cause of the disease, research and development, of course. So investing the vast majority of our resources back into research and clinical trials. And then finally, access. So once the medicines are approved by a governing or regulatory body, making the medicines available to all eligible, eligible patients. And when you first join the company, I remember my first day at Vertex very clearly, you learn about their core values, a fearless pursuit of excellence, innovation, uncompromising commitment to patients, and we wins. And this is really the first company that I've been at where we are continuously putting these values into practice throughout our day-to-day. -day. And I just feel very lucky um, to work with such brilliant and passionate individuals. That's awesome. I know I was just going to ask you, like, uh, can you give us an example of how that, how those values are exemplified in the day-to-day? -day? Yeah. So I feel like I'm always energized when I when I'm working with with my fellow Vertexians, which is what we call ourselves, because everyone is always like the end goal is always the patients, and we try to bring that back into everything we do. Um, we we bring in patient speakers a lot to kind of remind us why we're working on some of tasks that can be very um, they can drone on like budgets and 
you know, operations and all of that, but hearing from the patient and their families about what the medicines do for them really kind of puts it all back into perspective. So that energizes me and you can tell that really energizes my coworkers um, to keep going and to kind of push through the sometimes tough, tough tasks that we have to do. <laughs> And it can be a long process. So I'm sure being able to see the way the work that you're doing is impacting the patients in their lives is so rewarding and reminds you like, this is what we're here for. And this is why, you know, we show up every single day. So I think that that's uh, great that that's something that Vertex does. And um, again, just a reminder for those kind of looking for the uh, right culture and right organization that's going to be a good fit for them. I think you mentioned, you know, feeling energized and that's such a good key indicator of when you're in a place doing the work and being surrounded by the people that you're meant to be with. Especially so, when you're virtual now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you can't see them face to face. It's, you know, it's nice to have a friendly smile on the other side of the computer. <laughs> How have you been handling the virtual day to day? Um, it's kind of been great. Like, uh, as you know, I bought a house, um, down on the South shore. So I've been working from home, which I actually do love. And I'm just like amazed how quickly the, our culture went from in-person to virtual and how everybody kind of just embraced it. Like this was our situation. Now we still have our work to do. We still have to meet our goals. And it's almost like, it's almost like we switched overnight and we just, kept going. Clinical trials kept running. Um, and it's just, it's just incredible how resilient, um, everybody, everybody is and has been during this time. Yes, definitely. So now in your role as senior project manager, what does that day-to-day -day look like? So yes, it's all virtual, but like, what are you doing in that day-to-day? -day? Can you dive a little bit more into the details about that? Sure. So it feels a little bit like a consultant role. I'm working on several projects and initiatives at once, bouncing back and forth between one-on-one -on -one meetings and group meetings that I'm typically responsible for leading. So uh, meetings with our vendors, internal strategy discussions, budget meetings with finance. I'm doing a lot of writing. I write a lot of our department communications and I've been able to flex my creative side of, of my brain, which has been really exciting and sometimes challenging. Uh, I spent a lot of time developing PowerPoint slides, so leadership updates, monthly reports. And one thing I've learned uh, in this role is that the executives communicate strictly via PowerPoint. Um, I know that's the case at Vertex, and it, I feel like it might be the case across industry as well. You know, even a quick update that could be accomplished via email must be formatted into a one slide summary. So I've gotten very comfortable creating slides very quickly for updates to leadership. That's so interesting. So it's, it sounds like writing is very important and also being able to take information updated and summarize it in a way where people can clearly understand what that update has been is something that you draw upon it sounds like daily so are what are other important skill sets that you think someone would need to be successful in the role that you are in now yeah i think organizational skills is key it's probably number one keeping yourself organized keeping others organized 
being a great communicator. Uh, so both written and oral communication. I think having a proactive leadership mindset uh, is also very helpful. If you were that person um, in school who took the lead on all of your group projects, this job is the job for you. <laughs> um, Decision-making. So having good judgment and the ability to make a decision quickly, but also thoughtfully, and then being able to substantiate that decision. I think those are like the top three to four that I draw upon every day and that I'm still definitely continuing to improve on. I love anything and all things related to organization. And so when you say organizational skill sets are very important, what are some tools or what are some processes that you've developed that help keep you organized? So my calendar is color-coded just two though. I've seen some people's calendars where it's like rainbow and that would stress me out too much because I forget what the colors mean. Yeah. So my calendar, all my meetings are in blue and then all the tasks that I have to do are in red. And I do block off um, some time on my calendar in red. So I know, so I have time to do my own work. And um, I also, I still write on a notepad. I just feel like my to-do list, it just resonates more with me if I'm writing it down and physically checking it off. I have a OneNote. I think OneNote's great. I take a lot of notes on there, but at the end of the day, um, I need to synthesize all of those notes that I've taken throughout the day, throughout the week into my like little to-do list. And I'm showing it to you right now. I know other people can't see it, but it feels really good checking things off and crossing things off. Um, so that's, that's how I stay organized. Keeping other people organized, I mentioned is a big part of my project, keeping other people on task. I find uh, that I'm doing a lot of Gantt charts for other people to keep other people on, on track. Um, and then just polite reminders, um, however it works for them, whether it's just pinging them in Teams or Skype, whatever you're using, if it's a formal email, um, if it's a task reminder on my Teams, um, I think that's something, that's a skill that you use is like how to communicate with different stakeholders and how stakeholders have different communication styles. Like once you learn that, um, I think you, you get more results. What do you think helped you learn that? Like, was that having conversations or setting some time aside to get to know the individual when you first started? Or would you say it was more so a, a process that you learned over time getting to work with them? What do you think helped you realize communication styles? I think both. I think, I think it's such a good idea to meet one-on-one -on -one with your new team or people that have been put on the project, you're in charge of whatever it might be in the beginning and up front, just kind of getting an idea of how they work. Um, but ultimately, I think it's something that you learn over time. And, um, and sometimes you get it right away and sometimes you don't. So I think that would be kind of how, how I've experienced it. Has that been, I mean, would you say that's one of, the more challenging aspects of your role or would you say that there are other things that you find more challenging in your day-to-day? -day? Honestly, I, I think about this a lot and, and when I get this question like for an interview or something, it is one of the biggest challenges that I face, stakeholder management. And what it is about that is 
I lead a lot of cross-functional initiatives. So I'm constantly working across teams within North America commercial, within that department, but also outside of commercial, outside of North America. And this is a lot of people um, to manage at different levels, different seniority levels, who often have competing priorities. They have their own things going on. But my focus is on bringing everyone together to ensure that we are meeting the end objective and end goals of this initiative. Um, so So within that, because that has been a challenging aspect of my role, learning the importance of communicating with the stakeholders has been huge for me. Um, Also keeping everyone engaged and motivated to get the job done. Engaging stakeholders early on is something that I've learned that it's very important if you're trying to implement a new idea or a process. Actually, this is something that I've been reading a lot about and I've been talking to my mentors about is you know, when you go into a boardroom to present that new idea or new process um, or provide that update, it shouldn't be the first time that anyone in the room is seeing that. You need to build support and get buy-in early on. And if you do that, your success in the boardroom will be much greater. And I think this is something um, that I I had no idea that that was the case. So learning that, um, I've been trying to practice that, you know, I've and it's been extremely helpful. Um, I've learned when providing updates to leadership that things get approved a lot quicker mm-hmm. if you've already kind of voiced it and, and let people know about it beforehand. Would you say it's not a matter of touching base with everyone, but maybe just a few key individuals that can influence others within that group? A hundred percent. Your role sounds fascinating. It sounds like it's really exciting to work and you're getting to touch base with a lot of different people um, across different roles. So what would you say you enjoy most about the role that you're in now? Like what gets you really excited and what just um, makes you really happy working in the role? So pretty much exactly what you just said. I love the variety of what I get to work on. I'm never bored. I can't ever expect where the day is going to take me. I'm talking to tons of people all the time. Uh, This position also allows me to work on strategy more than I have been able to in the past, in past roles. So not only am I responsible for the tactical operations side of things, um, but also I'm becoming more involved in the strategy. So the strategy related to launching one of our products or designing a new innovative program from scratch. I feel like I'm really stretching beyond my comfort levels, which I really like. I need to continue to challenge myself and I always feel like I'm growing and that's what keeps me engaged and that's kind of what lights my fire every day. I know that you recently got married. I know that you bought a home. I know that you're doing some redesign work in your new home. So I I guess overall, I'm just trying to figure out like, how do you manage and do all of this? (laughs) Uh, I mean, how do I manage? You should ask my husband. He probably will say I'm not managing. Do you know what I'm finding though is, is I thrive under chaos. And so I, you know, was planning a wedding and, and working work was very busy. Um, doing the, all the wedding planning stuff. And then as soon as the wedding was over, I just felt like there was like a void. Like I still had a very crazy busy work life, 
but I needed something else to fill that. So now we're like renovating our kitchen. And I just feel like I, I, if I'm not doing something, I feel like something's wrong. And that's not great. That's something that me personally, I need to learn that it's okay to sit in the silence and, you know, just chill. Um, but I, it's just, it's how I manage is how I live my life. I'm, um, a little bit of a type A kind of personality. And I just always like to keep going like the Energizer Bunny. Yeah. And, but I think that's important for people to know is a lot of times it aligning your personality to the role. Like when, when both of those two things align, you thrive and excel in the position you're in. So I know that Yes, there are certain boundaries that one should, you know, set in place. Um, but at the same time, I think that's so important to be able to align those two things because we spend 40 plus hours a week. And I know you definitely spend more um, doing the work that you do, but you want to make sure you're enjoying it. And it sounds like that's something that does excite you in your personal life. And like the fact that you can also do that within your role at work as well as really awesome. If you could go back and tell yourself one thing that you wish you would have known before pursuing this role, pursuing this pathway, what would that have been? I would tell myself to just trust that things will work out. Um, if you work for it, you'll end up exactly where you're supposed to be eventually. Um, even if it's not on your anticipated or projected timeline, we all have timelines. We all have milestones. Um, career milestones, life milestones, just work as hard as you can kind of keep your head down and you're going to end up exactly where you're supposed to be. That's what I would tell myself. I do have some closing questions for us. And these are really meant to be kind of like rapid fire. So, um, just you didn't tell me that <laughs> <laughs> that was the surprise at the end. <laughs> I would love to hear from you. Like what is a book or podcast recommendation that you can share with others? Like what are you currently reading or listening to? Okay, so I'm currently reading a book called The Woman. It's called Women Are Changing the Corporate Landscape, Rules for Cultivating Leadership Experience. And I have it here, I'm showing you. But this is a book that my mentor recommended to me very recently. And I started a couple of days ago and it's just one of those books where I'm just highlighting, highlighting, highlighting. I feel like I'm back in school. And there's a lot of great takeaways that, um, so I would recommend women, especially that are, um, you know, anywhere in the industry, healthcare or whatnot, just corporate in general, to definitely take a look at this book. There are some things that I could leave behind, like how to dress appropriately for, you know, we don't need to hear that. It's 2021, but uh, I would definitely recommend this book. It's, it's awesome so far. Great. Tell me the title again. It's called Women Are Changing the Corporate Landscape, Rules for Cultivating Leadership Excellence. Great. Okay. I'm going to add it to my reading list. Okay. Um, what advice? Oh, I guess I would say, what is the best advice that you've received? Honestly, I, I heard this advice today from a woman in leadership panel at Vertex. And it's the quickest thing that comes to mind, but I think it's really wonderful. And this woman said that no matter how small the job, do it well. And I think this is something that her father told her growing up in Scotland. Uh, so no matter how small the job, do it well. It will pay off in the end. People notice 
even if you don't necessarily enjoy what you're doing, it will open doors for you. And this really resonates with me. I've had jobs that were not the most interesting to me, but I showed up every day. I gave 110% because that's, that's who I am personality-wise, and I'm a bit of a perfectionist, um, and I don't like to let people down. But those roles have absolutely helped to get me where I am today. And my last question for you is, how can our listeners connect and learn more about you and about Vertex? <laughs> um, I would probably just say LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm not like super active, but I do check it every once in a while. So definitely connect with me. Let's have like a coffee Zoom chat. If there is another takeaway for listeners is whenever you go, whether that's your workplace setting or whether that's graduate school, these relationships that you make, I mean, I met Aaron on orientation day when we had several classes together and yes, I know you on a personal level, but you're also someone that I talk to if I'm facing something at work or if I'm thinking about, you know, when I was thinking about this role that I'm in now, you're someone that I spoke to about it. And it's so valuable to reach out and make those connections. I know it's scary going into a workplace setting or graduate school setting where you don't know a lot of people, but it is, pays off so much. And it's been so awesome to have like a really good soundboard and a really good network, like, like the relationship that you and I have, I really value it, value it. And I hope that that's just something that people take away and have that encouragement to build those relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And I did, I jotted down this note when I was preparing for this podcast interview is that you have to be proactive when it comes to advancing your career. Um, and you can't advance your career, career on your own. You need a network of people behind you. Um, and establishing a network that consists of your peers and mentors and use them as your sounding board, like you just said. Ask them what they think your areas of strength are and where you can improve or what roles you should consider next. I actually, this week, I asked my manager if she would send out a survey to people that I've been working with for the past year to have them kind of just let me know what they think my strengths and areas of focus can be in the future. And again, like not, it's not gonna be the most fun probably reading back the results on areas I can improve on, but like that's how you get better. Um, and like you said, like I would also recommend don't burn any bridges. You never know who you might need a recommendation from down the line. The pharma industry especially is very small. A lot of people move around a ton to different companies. And you never know who you might cross, cross paths in, in the future. So again, totally behind you with the whole network, keeping your, uh, your network big. I couldn't have said it better myself, Erin. And love that you left the listeners with that piece of advice. Again, thank you so much for your time on this podcast. I was so happy to talk to you and have you on. Miss you. Miss you. We'll get together soon. Thank you so much for being here and for listening to this episode. If this is your first time here, welcome. Please click on the subscribe button wherever you're listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to leave a rating or review of the part you enjoyed the most. I look forward to meeting you all back here soon.